You're listening to the Calvary Church Audio Experience, designed to empower and encourage you throughout your week. Hey, what's up, Calvary family? Hello and welcome. Part one of a brand new series, Gospel-Fueled Joy. I am so grateful that you're getting in on the ground floor of this journey through the book of Philippians. I want to welcome everyone joining us online, our online experience. I invite you, grab your Bible, turn with me to the book of Philippians chapter 1. And if you don't have the Calvary app, go ahead, download it. Go to the app store, one word, Calvary Church CC. The notes are right there. You can follow along with me as we take this journey through Philippians over the next few weeks. You ready for God's word? I want you to say it with me. Come on, say eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart to receive, a mouth to confess. All the good things, come on, Christ has already provided for me. Amen. You know, it seems like much of the stuff that I'm asked to address as a pastor in people's lives at the end of the day is connected to a real or perceived lack of happiness, a lack of joy. People will come to me and tell me they aren't happy. I'm not happy with my marriage. I'm not happy with my kids. I'm not happy with my job. I'm not happy with my finances. I'm not happy with this relationship or or that relationship. And as we work our way through the book of Philippians, one of the things that we are going to discover is some profound truth about how we can grow as Believers in such a way that our joy, our happiness isn't dictated by our circumstances or the happenings, whatever's going on around us. Philippians is an incredible little book, words like joy, rejoice, happy, happiness, used around 20 times in this very short book. Some would say that Philippians is the happiest book in the Bible and yet what's so interesting is that the happiest book in the Bible was written by Paul the Apostle Paul during one of the least happiest times in his life think about that he was in prison in Rome and as we're going to see ultimately this book is a thank you note it's a letter Paul writes to the churches in Philippi which he and his partners planted in this ancient Grecian city. And we understand that some time has passed and Paul's now in prison in Rome and he writes to thank them. Thank you, church. Thank you for your financial gifts. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your love. It's one of the most personal letters in the entire New Testament, and it provides answers to the age-old question, if I want to be happy in life, where do I begin? In fact, if I were to throw that question out in wherever, the average workplace or university or in some other context or some social media platform, many people would say that in order to find happiness, they'd begin with more money, more sex, more time, more 
power, whatever. But what about you? What would you begin with? Really think about this. Well, Paul shows us in this letter that happiness and deep lasting joy really starts with relationships. That's right. Because Paul knows that it's very difficult to be joyous when your relationships are in the tank. I mean, you'll meet all kinds of people with all kinds of money, maybe all kinds of popularity, all kinds of every pleasure you can imagine. But if they're in the midst of a divorce, they're not happy. If their kids are in trouble, they're not happy. Or if they've just been stabbed in the back, by someone they thought they could trust. They're not happy. So again, if your relationships are in the tank, your attitude will likely be there also. It's just a fact of life in realizing that God created us as relational beings. Let me say that again. God created us as relational beings. God is a Trinity God at his essence is a relational God a community of father son and spirit God is relational he created us as relational beings so I want to begin today by just offering some ideas right up front I want to offer you four practical assumptions that we need to begin to understand as we begin this highly relational book about joy and about happiness. So as we start our talks in Philippians, talking about gospel-fueled joy, let's, let's understand some things, practical assumptions. One, I would say, is this. Happiness is not a goal. A lot of people in this world are chasing after things, chasing after circumstances and relationships that they think, oh, this is going to make me happy. And that's ultimately a, a futile pursuit because, again, happiness is not a goal, but rather a byproduct of what? Of right thinking, right living, right acting. I've had people tell me, Pastor, it's my time to be happy. I'm going to chase after what I believe will make me happy. Well, happiness isn't a goal. If you make happiness the goal of your life, you will inevitably live a very self-centered life. It's all about me. I don't care about anybody else. I don't care about my future. I don't care about my children. I don't care about their future. I don't care about anything. It's all about me. In fact, I'd go so far as to say from what I see in scripture and in everyday life as a pastor that if you make happiness the goal of your life, you will end up being more miserable. So happiness isn't a goal, it is a result. Let me say it like this, it is a byproduct of right thinking and right living. Number two, come on. Happiness based on happenings is temporary. I go to Disneyland, come on, I'm happy. I realized how much money I had to spend at Disneyland. I'm not happy. <laughs> I'm in line for the movie that everyone's telling me is great. 
I'm happy. And then I see the movie and I find out it's not so great. I'm not happy. I'm disappointed. Cowboys win. I'm happy. Come on. They lose. I'm not happy. My boss applauds me for a job well done. I'm happy. My boss corrects my work. Not happy. Are y'all getting the point? Happiness based on happenings, on circumstances, on occasions is only temporary. Now, some folks may say, well, Pastor Ben, I was taught that happiness isn't really biblical, but joy is biblical. Is there a difference? Well, I would say this, yes and no. Joy and happiness are distinct, but they're both related and they're both biblical. Happiness is sometimes seen as being more connected to the emotion of the moment or the season, whereas joy is something we can experience even when we're not in the happiest moments or seasons of life. So watch, you can have joy without being in a happy season, but you cannot be truly happy in life if you don't know what joy is. And we're going to touch on some of this during this series as we walk through Philippians. The third thing I want you to jot down is this, if you're taking notes in the app. My happiness will be influenced by my habits. Happiness is deeply connected to choices we make, right? As people who have been redeemed by Christ, and now, come on believer, we've been infused with the spirit of Christ. We've been given new life in him. Old things passed away, all things new. So we come to realize that we now have the power. You ought to remind yourself, you're packing power on the inside. We have the power now to what? You've got the power to shape your habits and then your habits will begin to shape you. So my happiness will be influenced by the things that I choose to make habits in my life. And then finally, happy habits are as addicting as bad ones. Can you believe that? Did, did you ever stop to think about the good side of addiction? We talk about addiction. We talk about the bad side. Happy habits, did you know they are as addicting as bad ones, but they're a whole lot more rewarding. They have the power to bring greater peace into your life without all the negatives. And just like bad habits usually take some time to develop in your life, so also habits of happiness don't usually take root overnight, but are Develop slowly as you learn, continue to renew your mind and learn to walk by the Spirit. Now, 
in the first 11 verses of Philippians. We're going to stay in the first 11 verses this week and next week. But in the first 11 verses of Philippians, we're going to see right away some evidence that Paul's been forming some healthy habits, some healthy ways of thinking, some healthy ways of living that are able to sustain him through some very, very difficult times. And again, one of the habits that Paul developed was the pursuit, church don't miss this, the pursuit of building healthy attitudes about the relationships in his life. And as we read these 11 verses together, I want you to take note of the way Paul describes his relationship to the people in the Philippian church. And after we read we're going to start unpacking four statements that I think reveal Paul's habits for experiencing deep joy and happiness in his relationships. And I'm going to tell you, that's my prayer for you, that you would begin to experience gospel-fueled joy in your relationships. All right, y'all ready? I was setting it up. Philippians 1. Let's begin at verse number one, here we go. The first 11 verses. We're starting this journey through Philippians, verse by verse. Paul writes, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. He's writing to the church. He's writing to the overseers, the deacons, the leaders. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God. This is where we're going to hang out today, all right? Verse 3. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Because of your partnership, church, in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who begun a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Boy, I can't wait to get into that next week. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. Verse 7, it is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel. All of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Jesus Christ. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Ten, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless the day of Christ, here it is, verse 11, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So in these 11 verses, there are four big choices that Paul shows us are habits of happiness in his life. Now, I only have time to give you one today. We'll look at three more next week. And again, before we go through these things, I just want to emphasize to you that you and I don't have a prayer of developing these habits we're going to talk about in our own power. See, these are choices that we're, we're really forced to trust God for the power to make in our life. 
And if you'll pray for them, and that's my prayer, would you begin to pray for these things and trust God for these things and begin to practice them? It's not just about hearing, it's about you doing. A lot of people hear a lot of stuff, but they don't do anything about what they hear. But let me tell you something. As you begin to pray and trust and, and, and do these things, let me tell you something. You're going to experience, I declare, greater happiness in your life. So are you ready to experience gospel-fueled joy in your relationships? The first thing we learn from Paul, and then I want to minister a word to you today because I think it's a word for right now where we're at. But the first thing that Paul talks about is this. By God's grace, you can choose. These are choices. You can choose, number one, write it down, to be grateful for the people in your life. To be grateful for the people in your life. Let me tell you something. Gratitude begins where the sense of entitlement ends. Or let me say it another way. Gratitude begins where the sense of discontentment ends. We've got to talk about this thing being grateful for the people in our lives. Did you realize that study after study after study consistently links gratitude i'm talking about thankfulness to our happiness sociologists and psychologists and others routinely agree that the more grateful we are the happier we are and this is why by god's grace you and i can choose to be grateful for the people in our lives verse three paul says what here it is. Every time I think of you, church. Now remember, he's in Rome, there in Philippi. Every time I think of you, I give thanks. There it is, to my God. In essence, here's what Paul's saying. I choose, church, to remember the good things about you, and I focus on the good times that we have shared. Now, I'm going to ask you a very honest, very real question. I really want you to think about it for a moment. When you think of the people in your life, is your first thought gratitude? Come on. Normally, that is not the case. Normally, it's what do they need to do for me? Are they late? Are they in a hurry? What's not right about them? What's not right about our relationship? What do we have a problem with? What do they need to fix? Or what do they need to get done? See, your first thought isn't always gratitude. But Paul says that every time he remembered them, his first thoughts are what? Thankful ones. He doesn't eventually get around to thankfulness. No. He made it his habit to begin with thankfulness church i hope you're getting this the disposition of the flesh not the spirit-filled life but the disposition of do-it-yourself living is normally what it's one of discontent the flesh is always wanting to complain about what could be better the flesh always wants to dictate the flesh always wants to control always wanting more 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 always wanting things to be different and and have you ever noticed that oftentimes the longer you know someone 
Don't you miss this. The more you take them for granted. The more you look at their faults. I just wonder, what is it that you have forgotten about how other people have blessed your life? Blessed you. I've had so many people who have blessed my life over the years. I'm surrounded with people who have blessed my life. You see, in Paul's life, you got to understand, his memories about Philippi were not all rosy. You got to understand that he didn't have a very good time there on a number of different fronts. It was one of the roughest, toughest church plants he had ever been involved in. The planting of this church in Philippi. If you know the story, uh, quickly, there was a businesswoman named Lydia who opened up her home for Paul to begin teaching. She opened up a gospel circle. Come on, somebody. And that's why he says, right, from the very first day right up till the present, you have been a partner with me, church, in the spreading of the gospel. And we know from the book of Acts and several clues in Paul's letters that the Philippians were some of Paul's most generous supporters. This was one church that was generous in funding the missionary efforts to declare and to demonstrate this gospel to everyone. And in this particular case, they sent, the church sent a guy named Epaphroditus all the way to Rome. Don't miss this. And they sent this guy to bring financial assistance to Paul because he was in prison. Thank God for a church that gets this. And Paul actually sends a letter back with Epaphroditus to express now his gratitude. But again, Paul didn't have all great memories of Philippi. It was tough on him. It was very difficult. This was not easy at all. Anybody who thinks this this thing, this church planting is easy. You got another thing coming. When Paul went to start this church there initially, did you know, think about this, he was beaten, he was whipped, he was humiliated, he was falsely accused, he was attacked, he was arrested, he was thrown into prison. Think about this, he survived an earthquake and then he was politely asked by the city leaders to get his rear end out of town if you know what I'm talking about and yet he still is able to look back fondly on the memories of the good times and he's choosing to be grateful this was not a happy place this was not a happy time it wasn't all sunshine and lollipops I've watched people quit because this ministry thing wasn't sunshine and lollipops a lot of bad stuff happened but Paul chose not to dwell on the painful memories he didn't deny that they happened watch but he didn't dwell on them that's a word I don't deny it happened I choose not to dwell on it yeah I heard a story about two women who were talking and one of them said to the other don't you remember the time your lousy husband did that and the other lady said and I love this she said well I distinctly remember forgetting that <laughs> yeah so that's a choice 
That's a choice. Your memories aren't necessarily a choice, but what you do with those memories in surrendering the painful ones to Jesus and dwelling on the positive is in fact a choice. Church, we've got to make a choice. It is a habit that can be developed. Here's the word for you today. Because grace can. Woo! Grace can. Grace can do this in your life. How do I know? Church, I am living Proof. As a matter of fact, I want you to say that out loud right now. Go ahead, say, grace can. Grace can. I, I, I'm still learning. I'm still learning how to do this. But, but like you, let me tell you, I have a number of painful memories that pop up from time to time. Sometimes I'll get triggered by something that happens and some painful memory will surface you know, from the past. And what God has been teaching me as I've been looking at this uh, Philippians, uh, he's been teaching me this, that, you know, on my uh, journey of grace, uh, I, can, I, can, I can own, I can admit uh, to bad stuff that happened. And then by his grace, I can choose to dwell on the good and not the bad. And if I can do this, let me tell you, by the grace and power of the Holy Spirit in me and by new life in Christ, then so can you. Because again, come on, grace can. That's the word. I just want to stay right there for just a moment today because I have a word for you. Grace can. I'm going to stop right here next week. We're going to look at the last three choices that we see in Paul's words. But today, I just want to minister to you quickly right here. I feel something on this thing that it's not always easy. I get it to be grateful for the people in your life. And I bet there are people who feel the same way about you, too. But listen, see, some of you, I'll hear people say, man, this Christian life, it's just difficult. No, you better hear me. The Christian life is not difficult. The Christian life is impossible. And that's why we need someone else to live it for us and through us. And this is the relationship of spirit dependence that God has now made available to us through the work of the new covenant. There was a time in your life when you did not have the capacity to be grateful for the people in your life, but now because of your new life, let me say it like this, your new born again spirit identity, who you are in Christ, you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. In fact, in a few weeks, we're going to get to that part of the letter where Paul in Philippians 4 writes those famous words, you can do all things through Christ. See, this is what I'm saying. Grace can. You can't. Your mom can't. Your pastor can't. The law can't. Religion can't. Rules and regulations can't. But grace can can because the grace of God has been manifested to you in so many ways if you will simply trust him I declare over you today church he has graced 
you with the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. He has graced you with a new life and a new resurrected human spirit within you. He has graced you with a heart that is soft toward him and 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 what he cares about and the people he cares about he has graced you with the fellowship of the saints and with the comfort and direction of his written word he has graced you he's graced you that's the love of god reaching down and gathering you in his arms that's the confident assurance that with god on your side you cannot lose that's his strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow that's the power of God in the middle of unbearable relational problems and pressures. That is the undeserved favor of God. That's Jesus. Jesus is grace and grace can. Come on. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. Let me close with this. God's grace is enough. It's all I need. His strength comes into its own in my weakness watch this some of you feel like you're in a very weak time it says this the weaker i get the stronger i become in other words you have everything you need for life and godliness in christ and the ultimate quest in the life of a believer is to grow in your capacity to trust and live out that reality. Why? Because if it's true that everything I need, I already have in Christ, then I'm free. Watch. You know how free you are? You're free to be grateful. I'm free today to be grateful for you and you and you, you, sir, you, ma'am, you, you, to love you without needing anything from you in return turn to stroke my ego or fulfill my flesh how many of you would love to be able to live like that in all your relationships well it's not only what God considers possible but it's what he considers normal for the spirit filled life of grace and whenever I share this message of grace I get it with someone who's you know, I hadn't, hadn't heard it before. I, I often hear them quote Philippians 2. You, if you jump the chapter, they'll quote Philippians 2 and they'll say, yeah, but doesn't God expect us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling? And they stop right there and they rarely finish the sentence, which is verse 13. It says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Then it says this, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. So don't you dare miss it. Yeah, you are to work out. It doesn't say work for, but you work out what God has already worked in you. So don't you dare look at what I've talked about today and what I'm going to talk about next week as a you know checklist for you to perform instead look at this as a list of things to trust God for in your life now more than ever before just as the Israelites think about this they were commanded in the Old Testament they were commanded to trust God for their daily supply now I want to get prophetic as I close they were to trust God for their daily supply as they walk through the desert and you also believer right now 
are to trust Jesus for your supply, for the fruit every day in your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, faith, whatever you need. And just like Israel, I believe God is telling you now, all I want from you is trust. I'm going to provide everything you need and I'm going to provide it for free by my grace. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. I just want you to trust me for it. Ooh, what a picture in the Old Testament. I'm going to give you manna, bread every morning, fresh, all you can eat, buttermilk biscuits. I'm going to take care of you no matter what's going on in the world. I'm going to give you quail as a source of protein. You won't need to hunt for them. They'll hunt you down. Surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. I'm going to cause springs of water to rise up out of the desert on your journey to keep you hydrated. In other words, that's the word, no more dry seasons. I'm going to provide my own GPS system, a cloud for you to follow by day and a pillar of fire by night. I'm going to keep shoes, your shoes from wearing out so you're just going to be able to keep going when everybody says you're not going to make it you're going to be able to keep going i don't want you to work for me god says i don't want you to perform for me i don't want you to beg from me listen no more days of begging i just want you to trust me just this is a word for this year just keep putting one foot in front of the other and you will enjoy abundance. You will enjoy gospel-fueled joy. You will enjoy abundance and provision of the promised land. And remember, our promised land is not a piece of real estate. It's a person. It's Jesus. So don't you dare live on yesterday's manna. That's what God's saying. Those days are over. Don't worry about whether God will supply tomorrow's manna. We know he will. He's that kind of God. Focus your attention now upon today's manna. And isn't it crazy? Jesus said this, I am the manna of life. I am the bread. He who comes to me will never, woo, never, that's strong, never go hungry. He's given you enough to enjoy your relationships. May you experience gospel-fueled joy in every one of your relationships in Jesus' name. Now, as I close, if you've never received the life of Jesus, the man of the bread, you can right now. You'll never go hungry again. You simply say this, Father, thank you. Thank you. If you're ready to receive, you simply say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for everything you've provided. Thank you for your death, your burial, your resurrection, for all my sins, for giving me new life, for cleaning me. You raised him from the dead. He's alive, and I thank you that all my sins are forgiven. I am now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I thank you that goodness and mercy follows me all the days of my life. I receive now, Jesus your life i accept your life let me tell you something if that's your prayer it's time for you to grow in grace it really is and it's so important that you continue to hear about jesus and your new identity in him and that's why i want you to know about grace walk grace walk is an essential part of you starting this journey and it's four short online classes for everybody you can join at any time in these classes you'll learn who we are as a church who you are now as a believer, how we live as believers, how we change our world. Let me tell you something. It's time for you to 
join the movement wherever you are grace walk you'll find it calvarychurch.cc or right there on the app the calvary app it's time for you to join the movement and now you can join the movement wherever you are whether you're in bali or raleigh arizona or barcelona Copacabana or louisiana bombay or la montreal or nepal fort wayne or the ukraine chicago or santiago i don't care where you are guess what you can be a part of calvary a campus pastor would love to connect with you you can do it right there on grace walk church i love you i'll see you next week as we continue our journey through philippians gospel fueled joy